Welcome to the Poe Group Advisors podcast. Today we have a very exciting guest. Danitha Doe is the creator of Money and Mimosas and host of the Future of Accounting podcast. Named a millennial thought leader by the Hong Kong Institute of CPAs and a next generation accountant by QuickBooks, Danitha's blog and podcast reach thousands of millennials and accountants eager for advice on how to create financial independence. To learn more, visit moneyandmimosas.com. Brandon Poe is the founder of Poe Group Advisors, a leading-edge practice brokerage and coaching firm serving accountants in the U.S. and Canada. Well, Danitha, uh, so gr- glad to have you on our podcast, and I've been looking at your um, career path, and you have a definitely a, a lot of variety in your background. Uh, how about just tell us a little bit more about yourself uh, personally and your background and how you chose your career path? Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Brandon, for having me on your podcast. I'm excited to have a great conversation with you and hopefully share share some tips for your audience. A little bit about me. You're right. I definitely have had a varied background, and and it's all kind of culminated into what I do now. From a really young age, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. In fact, when I turned eight, my eighth birthday, I asked my parents for business cards as a birthday gift. <laughs> at the time, <laughs> at the time, I was going to be a nail artist. Um, that was one of the first of many failed business attempts. I had two clients and one was my mom. So that didn't go very far. <laughs> uh, but since then, I, I went to school to study economics. And I studied economics because I figured I needed some sort of background in um, finances or accounting to be able to start a business. And since I went to a liberal arts school, the option that I had was to study economics, which was perfect in hindsight, because as an econ major, I was exposed to a lot of different disciplines, history, politics, of course, financial markets. And that has really helped me in what I do today. After graduating from university, I Graduated in a pretty tough economic time, 2008, which was tough for a lot of people. And for me, it meant that I couldn't land a job. I was overqualified for um, a lot of positions because of my degree, but sorely underqualified for positions that I wanted because I didn't have work experience. And so I bounced around from gig to gig doing anything that I could to, to make ends meet. I did some modeling. I did uh, just really anything that I could find on Craigslist as an opportunity. And one of those opportunities that I did find was working at the Grand Canyon for a season. I found a job on funjobs.com looking for someone to be a hostess at a restaurant in the Grand Canyon. And I thought, well, that's sounds great. They're going to cover my food and lodging and I'll be able to live in this beautiful area and get paid a little bit um, (laughs) to do it. It was minimum wage, like eight bucks an hour, but it was at least something steady. And so I moved to the Grand Canyon to, to do that job. And that led to another seasonal gig opportunity in a ski resort in California. And when I worked at that ski resort in California, a job in the accounting department opened up. And I thought, oh, my goodness, finally, I can use my very expensive degree to (laughs) (laughs) and apply it to my career. So I applied for that job, got it as an accountant and did that role for a couple of years before moving to the Bay Area with um, with my beloved who I met in Mammoth 
And when I moved to the Bay Area, I was bit again by the entrepreneurial bug because everyone here, if they, are, if they don't have their own business, they have some sort of side hustle going. So I thought, I'm going to give this business thing a try because I knew I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so I launched a business doing bookkeeping for uh, professionals in the beauty and fashion industry. And I chose that niche because I just love going to fashion shows. I love talking about makeup. And that has slowly, that turned into a pretty successful business. Um, and from there, I do what I do now, which is talk about bookkeeping and accounting and financial tips specifically for women through my blog, Money and Mimosas, and, and also host a podcast about what the future of accounting looks like. Awesome. Well, that's a really interesting, um, I almost, I was almost an econ major myself. Um, I was always interested in economics because I felt like it gave you kind of a broad view of, you know, our economy and just the world in general. So that's interesting. Um, so one thing I want to ask you is uh, to share an inspirational quote or mantra and just explain how that has impacted you. Hmm. I love this question because mantras are something that I say to myself every morning. In fact, I look myself in the mirror and, and say something that I feel I need to hear that day um, to help me guide, guide my day and guide, guide my vision. That mantra changes depending upon what I need. But the one that's really resonating with me now is don't ask what the world needs ask what sets yourself on fire and go do that. Um, and that's the, um, I've changed it to, to better speak to how I need to hear it. But the reason why that's really speaking to me now is because I, I, I have a lot of passions and a lot of things that I want to accomplish. And a lot of those things that I want to accomplish aren't necessarily um, ideas that, or things that I've, have seen other people do. So a lot of it is creating these opportunities all out of my head and trying to make it a reality, um, which is exciting, but it's also tough because everyone, including myself, wants validation from other people that what they're doing is right or that it's possible. And usually you need to see that reflected back to you in order to be able to accomplish it. Um, however, I because I have so many things I want to accomplish that haven't, haven't been done before, I have to remind myself that it's really not about thinking, it's really not about worrying about what other people think. It's about really thinking about what makes me excited, what makes me feel alive and, and going and doing that. Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, kind of along those same lines, um, I always, you know, motivation in our business selling CPA firms is, is an important thing that we try to assess. And, you know, I find that when you work with people who know what they want, it's just way easier to work with those people. So um, tapping into that, um, you know, what lights your fire, or what drives you is really important. And that's, you know, I kind of equate that to knowing what you want. Um now, your podcast, you mentioned this a minute ago, the Future of Accounting podcast. Um, I kind of went around and did some uh, looking on the web 
about the podcast and about your guests. And, you know, it appears to me that it's taken off very quickly. It's um, had some high profile endorsements, even in even in Hong Kong, I noticed. And it's the number one podcast covering emerging technologies within the accounting profession. Um, so tell us a little bit more about the podcast and how that all began and took off. Definitely. Thanks so much for um, doing some research on that. The Future of Accounting podcast, well, it started last year in August. So I just celebrated a year anniversary and, and it has taken off surprisingly well. I did not expect really for anyone to be listening to it, I except maybe the guests that I had on. Um, so it's been really awesome for it to have um, received such great feedback. I get messages almost daily from younger accounting professionals, sometimes college students who message me and say, thank you so much. This is my virtual mentor. Um, these are guests that I would love to have a conversation with, but just don't have the opportunity to. So thank you for making your conversations with them public so that others like myself can learn from their career journey. And that that has been the most fulfilling part of having the podcast is, is receiving those messages and knowing that it's helping others in their career. And I would have loved, the reason why I started is because I would have loved to have had this podcast in the beginning of my accounting career. I, I as I've said before, or said earlier, I have so many passions and it was really tough for me. And it's still sometimes a challenge for me to harness all of those into a concrete, tangible way of building a business or a way of building a career, trying to pull all these different interests that I have into one thing. And it would have been nice to have some sort of guidance in terms of how to do that. Yeah. Um, from a technical aspect or even just a confidence aspect to know that I, I wasn't crazy to have all of these interests. And so that's really why the podcast started. I started, it first started as a group, a future of accounting meetup group that I took on about six years ago. Some, another individual had started the group and a year later they were, they were moving on to other things. So they asked me if I wanted to take, um, take over the group and run it. And I thought, yeah, that'd be awesome. I had just moved to the Bay Area. I was looking for opportunities to connect with other CPAs, other accounting professionals, and just network within our profession. And, and I thought that leading this group would be a great way for me to do that. And um, did that for a few years where every month we would have a, a meeting with a, a vendor, a, a tech company, that was creating a product that would better serve, that served the accounting profession and their clients. And, and that, those conversations I had at those meetings um, were so amazing that I wanted other people outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, Bay Area to hear those same conversations. And so I thought, why not launch a podcast where I can interview those same individuals and, and have it reach more people? Oh, I love it. Yeah, and it's, you know, technology, it's um, it's been interesting from my perspective talking with accountants. Um, you know, you hear a lot about the disruptive nature of technology and how it's going to change the profession. And I've heard this for a long time and keep wondering when it's really going to have a big impact. Um, 
And I think sometimes his accountants historically are a little bit slow to change as a profession as a whole. Um, it feels like the, I guess the uh, tide is changing a bit in that um, technology seems to be um, getting to a point where it will change the profession pretty, you know, in a pretty big way in the next few years. I'd just love to kind of get your take on what do you think that, you know, what will be, um, what technology will be the most disruptive to the accounting industry? And um, when do you think it will really start to be palpable? When will this be felt? Mm. I, I feel we're, we're feeling it now. Uh, I wish I had a crystal ball to know, like, when exactly is all of this going to completely change over? And I think it will be gradual. It's happening faster and faster just because we live in a time where um, things happen much at a much quicker pace than the, it's unprecedented how quickly things are changing. I mean, I remember having dial-up internet, and that is something that my younger sister never experienced. But that's how quickly, and we're in the same generation. We're both millennials. That's how quickly things are changing. Yeah. So, um. I, Change is definitely happening. It, it's not going to be completely overnight. However, the speed at which it's going, it may feel overnight um, just because of how fast things are happening. I mean, to your point about uh, the financial space, particularly the accounting profession, being a little con being conservative and slow to change, um, that's true. However, our clients are requiring us to change our the way we service them, the tools that we use to service them. And so that's going to be a, a catalyst. That is a catalyst for things changing within the profession. Um, as far as one particular technology that's going to change at all, I don't know if it's really about the technology per se. Certainly blockchain is something that is interesting and, and it's going to have a huge impact on our profession. But I honestly feel that it's more, it's a combination of technology and cultural shifts, which is something that I do try to highlight on the podcast, the Future of Accounting podcast about these emerging technologies, the part of the reason why they are taking hold of our profession is because of this, these cultural shifts that we're having. Um, meaning, to give a good example, is the millennial mindset in terms of there is a huge desire to work remotely, to have a flexible work schedule, to have things like unlimited PTO so that um, you can live your best life but still be able to put in, um, but still be able to have a great career. So in combination, those two, I believe, are what's going to change the profession. When we get to specific technology, blockchain is certainly some a conversation. There needs to be a lot of conversation around how that's going to impact the work that we, we do. But that's for right now. Who knows what the next technology will be and how quickly it will happen um, to change the profession. Yeah. And this is um, – I think it was um... – Jeff Bezos, who asked Amazon, like, what won't change? So let me ask you that question. What won't change about the accounting profession, regardless of technology? 
I believe the ethos of the accounting profession won't change. I think anyone who's attracted to the accounting profession in terms of being a professional within it, a financial professional, cares about their integrity, cares about serving others, cares about um, helping other people find peace and calm with their finances and supporting them in that journey, that that will never change. And, and that's going to continue to be what makes accountants such amazing individuals because we truly are doing what we do in our career in service of others. Yeah, I like that. That's a great observation. Um, so if you were you were to give someone advice who's planning to start a CPA practice from scratch, um, just given the technology that's on the horizon and just the present competitive landscape, what advice would you give to someone planning to start? Great question. I would say first and foremost, find a niche that you enjoy. And a niche can be, you can cast a wide net Maybe you've got a lot. I would say start with your passions in terms of figuring out what niche you want to focus on. I I actually just spoke to a, a she's a she's not a CPA, but she is an accounting professional based in Oregon, and her firm focuses on adventure companies. So mm-hmm. those places that yeah, like if you go to uh, Belize or or Oregon even, and you um, want to do a zip lining tour there's a company, right, that owns that zip line and, and runs runs that activity. So that's the the uh, industry that she focuses on. And she chose that industry because she loves living life to its fullest and loves take, doing these adventures herself on vacation. Oh, nice. So, I was, yeah, it's super cool. And so I would say, like, think about what your passions are and use that to guide the niche that you're going to focus on. And the reason why that's so important is because with technology, you know, Brandon, we were just talking about how technology is changing the profession. It's changing the profession in terms, one of the ways it's changing the profession is our clients know that the work that we do that used to take hours, maybe several hours to complete is now being reduced because of how, um, how technology is streamlining and automating a lot of that work. So they're aware of it, which means that they want to know how am I going to get value from working with this financial professional? If I know that the workload is only going to take them an hour and a half, let's say, well, what are they doing at the other six and a half hours to to help my business during that day? So um, having a niche focus means that as a financial professional, you can get really good at that particular industry, be able to understand the trends within that industry and help your client navigate that landscape so that they can truly be successful overall as a business. So they're just getting that that business knowledge in that particular industry very deep. And um, no, I like it. I think that's um, I think that's great advice. Um <clears throat> yeah. And, and from my perspective, um, your listeners, you know, might like to know this too, is like what I see when we see a very highly focused practice, um, they tend to just be very successful in general, you know, profitability is higher. Um, 
yeah, and I think enjoyment and time off is typically a little higher too. So great advice. Um, now flip that question to kind of the more established practice. If you were to give that same advice to um, those practice leaders that are in charge of, of older firms, what would what advice would you give to them? Equally great question. So with an older firm, and and are they having challenges with profitability, or, or why are they why are they interested in advice? Well, I think um, one of the things that that we're one of the obstacles I think a lot of firms are facing is hiring talent and just adapting to the changes. Like I think you know if you're an older practitioner and you've been doing um, there's a certain inertia in operating the way you've always operated. Um, so I think sometimes the technology is a little diff more difficult, and I think sometimes the cultural aspects are really difficult, too, to adapt to. Absolutely. Yes. Succession planning, I'm glad you brought that up. That is definitely a challenge that a lot of firms are facing. Their leadership is is at the age where they are looking to retire, at least go on to the next season within their career. And the pipeline for replacing that leadership is, is not quite there. I, you know, when it comes to an older firm, I think you hit the nail on the head, Brandon, that it's really the, the most difficult part is a being aware that things need to change and then B, being open to seeing things differently, which all comes down to the culture of the firm. And if, you, if you're if you a firm and you want to attract and retain young, younger the younger generation as talent, you'll have to take a hard look at the way that you're currently running the firm and, and what about the firm needs to change in order to adapt to this, this new new lifestyle requirements that your employees, your staff is going to ask for, and, and also not just your staff, but also your clients. I mean, the clients are also the same, going to be within that same generation as your staff. So um, I would say for an older firm, take a step back and think about how your firm fits within the current conversation in terms of are we are we a firm that is attractive to millennials in the and the reason why that's important is because as an accountant um, now the millennial can not just look to a public accounting firm for a job or an accounting firm period but there are lots of opportunities in the private industry the tech space is really attractive so you're not just competing with, let's say you're a Deloitte, for instance, you're not just competing with an EY now to attract that same talent pool. You're competing with the Googles and the Lyfts and the Ubers and the, the companies that have um, a pool table in their space and give their employees unlimited PTO or even a month sabbatical each year. Some companies are doing that where um, employees can take time off to pursue a passion project or a day a week to pursue a passion project. So how can you, how does your firm fit within that conversation? Are you implementing little things to make it attractive to 
to millennial um, millennial staff. It doesn't have to be as crazy as giving a month off, but are you allowing time to the employee? Do you have gym membership benefits? Um, things like that to make it attractive. And, and be open to feedback. Bring in millennials or the young or others, the Gen Z is coming up right behind them. Bring them into these conversations and ask them um, for their feedback. I, it boggles my mind. I, I do do these presentations for large firms talking about the millennial mindset. I've been invited to um, a couple of big four firms and then top 100 accounting firms to talk to their partner team about how do we think about our culture differently so that we can make sure we've got a pipeline of leaders coming through that can um, that can take the reins once once some of us retire. And it's amazing to me when I go into these conversations that there are no millennials in the room. <laughs> and granted, they have me there, but I am not representative of all millennials. I, I don't work for a public accounting firm. I don't work for a firm. So. We need some insights from those within the company, not just, I can't just talk to the partners. Um, so that's the first step is, you know, being aware of change and then bringing um, millennials into the conversation to help you navigate those changes. That's interesting. I, I, I heard, and I haven't uh, verified this, but I heard that the millennial generation in terms of size is larger than the baby boomer generation. So, it's a you know it's a big um, it's a big group of people that's you know and as they get, you know as they get into more into the age where they're taking leadership positions it's really gonna make a difference coming through. Absolutely yes, in 2016 they became the largest workforce. Wow, I did not know that. That's yeah, that's cool. Um, well, my next question is just kind of back to your podcast. So you've had numerous conversations with thought leaders. Um, what have you learned in terms of, you know, doing your podcast in the past year? What was the most surprising insight or what was just different from what you might have expected um, to learn? Ooh, I love this question. I have learned a lot from thought leaders. I mean, part of the, that I've interviewed, part of the reason in, to, that I did the podcast was also for me to learn how others, others' perspectives of the profession and, and also learn from their wisdom in terms of how they've um, navigated their career and created a path for themselves. There are a couple of themes that stand out to me when, when people talk, when people on the podcast reflect on their career journey and, and their biggest takeaways, um, their biggest tips, rather, for up-and-coming leaders within the profession. The first one was uh, one main theme that I take away a lot from the guests is the importance of reading, which seems so basic. However, I've done probably close to 100 interviews now, and Probably 60% of the individuals on there um, that I interview say reading is their number one tip for an up-and-coming leader within the profession, or anyone, really. 
um, who wants to be a master of their domain, the importance of reading a from a wide variety of sources just to be aware of what's happening within the world and happening within the financial markets or business, um, just anything. Reading voraciously is really important. Um, and then the second takeaway, and I wasn't expecting that, the second takeaway that um, that I've gotten from a lot of the interviews is the importance of knowing yourself, which makes sense. I think I wasn't necessarily surprised um, by that takeaway or that tip being shared often from thought leaders, but, um, but the fact that that is really key in having a career where you're not just financially successful, but also successful um, from a wellness perspective I thought that was really interesting that that it's not about following a cookie cutter path necessarily, which is what I feel we're often, we often try to model, but it's really about knowing yourself and following that, that guidance. Yeah. Now those are really great. That's um, interesting that that's a common thread in your conversations, but yeah, I, I but it makes sense after you said it, it was like, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, well, you know, we've been talking a little bit about change. Um, change, I always say, always creates opportunities too. And um, as a profession, as an accounting profession, what do you see as the, the biggest opportunities that um, are out there at this point? Sure. Well, if we if we're thinking about industries and niches, I, I feel the cannabis space is a really, um, really great opportunity for financial professionals, accounting professionals to get involved in um, and and really having if it, you know, it doesn't have to be the cannabis industry, but having a niche focus is a huge opportunity because business owners are looking for professionals that understand their space and the nuances within their space. And if, and if an accounting firm can hone in on that particular industry, the sky's the limit. I mean, who would have thought that having a niche at, of adventure companies was something that could make a profitable business? I mean, that's just one example. Um, for myself, it was focusing on beauty and fashion, which at the time I wasn't smart enough to know that was a niche. I just thought that would be fun, um, but looking back on it, it was a, a specialty knowing the nuances of, of, those, of that industry. I think that's a really big opportunity. And, and the second opportunity is really transitioning from being a compliance-based accounting firm to being more of a consulting advisory firm. We're seeing this, um, the Wall Street Journal recently did an article, recently within the last few months, did an article about the shift of revenue moving from compliance to consulting within the big four space. Mm. So we're seeing it at the very top um, in terms of top meaning like large firms with lots of staff, lots of revenue, um, but they are realizing that there's a shift in terms of the needs that their clients have. And that's focusing more on consulting advisory and that's being shown in black and white numbers in terms of the revenue coming in. Yeah. And so for firms that are smaller than that, heed that, heed that advice. I mean, they are showing that this is the future of the profession 
to lean more towards being a consultant, being an advisor, which means you have to be really good at that particular industry and, and tailoring your practice to lead with that example. Um, if I may, I'll, I'll share a quick example of a smaller firm that, that had to do that. They're based in Seattle. And the woman who started the practice is, um, she had started her practice 25 years ago as a tax accountant. She's a CPA offering tax services, started her practice 25 years ago, did, did very well, sold that firm to two other women and decided she wanted to head into retirement, pursue other opportunities. However, her daughter um, studied accounting and decided after she graduated from college that she wanted to start a business and her mom being the entrepreneur that she is was like, well, I can help you. Why don't we do it together? And so they started a, a tax practice together um, less than five years ago. And her mom quickly realized that the landscape was completely different than when she had had her tax practice however many years prior to that. And the difference was that she couldn't lead with offering tax services because there was, they were a dime a dozen accountants that were offering tax services. She and her daughter needed to start a practice that offered consulting in a particular area. For them, it was working with employees and their stock options. That's what their focus is. And then saying, then offering the tax component, but first leading as consultants and advisors, and then offering tax as, as the icing on the cake or the cherry on top. Um, so that's a huge opportunity, is leading with consulting and advisory. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I... I think the advisory piece, um, you know, a lot of small businesses are really hungry for that. And um, almost they almost I had someone tell me a couple of weeks ago that they sort of assumed that their accountant was doing, you know, was going to be offering that. And they were surprised, you know, when that wasn't the case and ended up switching to someone who did. Um so I'm, I'm hearing that more and more on the client. Like when you were talking about clients driving the change, um, they may, they very well may be driving that change. Um, so I want to just kind of, we're nearing the end of our time together. I wanted to hit you with some rapid, uh, some rapid fire questions. Um, are you ready for a few, few quick, quick questions, quick answers? Ooh, we'll see. This will be fun. <laughs> um, what's one thing that's really exciting you right now in your career? Mm, I am super excited about new content that I'm creating. There's some written content and some live events that I'm working on that are, are really fun. Awesome. All right. Um, What's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I ever received was to be my authentic self, to take the time to know myself, and that, that's the 90% of the work. Yeah. Um, if you were to recommend one book to our listeners, what would that be? Oh, just one? Just Books one. are my, my best friends. Um, <laughs> I am rereading this book called Creating Money by Sanaya Roman. The reason I love it is 
it takes, it looks at money from a feminine perspective in terms of following your passion and your creativity and how that translates into tangible dollars. Uh, interesting. Um, okay, back to sort of one bit of advice or guidance or life lesson you'd like to share. My advice would be to, if you're an accounting professional, don't be afraid to think and operate outside the box because that is where, that's where you're gonna find joy and where you're gonna find fulfillment and you're definitely going to be compensated financially by doing that. Okay, I like it. And on a personal note, what do you do for fun? I I do love my work. I feel like that's a lot of fun. I feel really blessed that I, I find it fun. I also love hiking and dancing. If I'm not um if I'm not working, I'm usually in a dance class or, or doing brunch with girlfriends. Um so I, I love I love being outside and, and hanging out with friends. Awesome. All right, Denitha, thank you. You've been extraordinarily generous with your uh, time and just with what you've uh, learned and um, we really appreciate you sharing your experience with us and our listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Brandon. This has been so much fun and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to connect with your community. Yes. And, um, and thank you. I guess um, my, the podcast we did together on your podcast came out just today. So People might like to check that out, too. Be sure and check out Denise's podcast, which is called The Future of Accounting. And Thank you for listening. To learn more about Denitha and to listen to episodes of The Future of Accounting podcast, please visit moneyandmimosas.com forward slash future of accounting forward slash. That's M-O-N-E-Y-A-N-D-M-I-M-O-S-A-S. You can also follow Denitha on Twitter and Instagram at Denitha Doe. And find her on LinkedIn, Denitha Doe. To learn more about Poe Group Advisors, please visit www.pogroupadvisors.com. P-O-E-G-R-O-U-P-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S. You can reach Brannon at bpoe at pogroupadvisors.com. Follow him on Twitter at Poe Group Advisor and LinkedIn at Brannon Poe.